privilege this morning to introduce somebody who's going to be coming and speaking to you. I have seen his face on TV before I met him yesterday. Some of you that are car people will instantly recognize him. Some of you may recognize his voice from the radio. The thing that I am most impressed about with Barry McGuire is not the fact that he's the best car wax guy in the world. It's, <clears throat> it's not the fact that uh, in, in a few minutes at 1.30 he's going to be standing on the grandstand uh, stage at, uh, to receive an award today from, from all the car people. That's, that's not what impresses me about him. What impresses me about him is, number one, he loves Jesus with all of his heart. The second thing that impresses me about him is he and his wife, Karen, have been married 53 years. That's, that's worthy of some applause. <clears throat> Another thing that impresses me about him is that he is not ashamed of the name of Jesus. And he uses the platform that God has given him to proclaim that in circles that you and I may never get to walk in. But there are people that will get to meet in heaven because of the influence that he's had within his world, and he's going to speak to us today about influencing ours. Would you please give a warm welcome today to Barry McGuire? Thank you. Thank you so much. You're amazing, Pastor. Good morning, everybody. Um, when you, when your pastor has a sensitivity to before the service even begin to say somebody wants to accept the Lord, two of you accept the Lord. Can you say Amen? I mean, you got a pastor that walks and moves in the spirit. This man has blessed me. We were, we've just gotten to know each other the last uh, couple of days. But uh, I love this man, and I love your staff. And God is in this place. I'm greatly honored to be here. God surely must have a sense of humor. This wonderful church, and I'm a guy that peddles car wax. And uh, how did how did this happen? You know, I don't know. But I'm thankful, God. Um, I've had a wonderful life. I've learned a few things. I was born and raised in church, and um, I listened well. <laughs> and uh, I was immediately in a family business, particularly a small business, about 12 employees. We were doing about $600,000 a year. Uh, when you come into the business, you get automatically responsibilities beyond your years and experience. In my case, I, they sent me to Detroit. About a third of our business was with the car manufacturers. And so at 22 years of age, I find myself a California kid, never been in snow before, hardly, except for a snow trip for the winter retreat. But moving back to Detroit in December and, um, and calling the car makers, and I said quickly to God, I am toast without you. I have this one scripture I, I grabbed onto young, and I've lived it all my life, and uh, it is my life verse. I have another one, the second to it, real close second to it, I'll talk about today a lot. But Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with your whole heart. <clears throat> We all know this scripture, but um, do we really live it? Trust the Lord with your whole heart. I, I tried half-heartedly. I tried, you know, 99%. I mean, <laughs> there's still this 1% chance he might not come through, you know. Um, count it all joy. We're, we're celebrating this morning, and the, 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 uh, the worship team was just great, and the spirit's moving, and and uh, the music lead us to this point of joy. Count it all joy. We, um, it's easy to be joyful on Sunday morning. It's easy to be in the presence of the Lord on Sunday morning when the fellowship with the people. But then Monday morning comes and the schedule starts 
and the family's out of control and the job's out of control and, and the car breaks down and you know what I'm talking about? Life happens, right? Do you count it all joy then? Huh? Well, scriptures would lead us to believe that we should be doing that. Count it all joy. All joy. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you today about having wholehearted faith. Trust the Lord with your whole heart. Okay? <clears throat> um, sometimes we make um, faith kind of like uh, works. Like, okay, I got to have faith to please God. <laughs> if, if you're working hard to have faith, that's not really faith. That's trying to do a mechanical thing. And if you achieve faith that way, you're, you're feeling pretty good. I got faith. <laughs> it's that kind of a misinterpretation of faith. Faith is, I love you, God. I know you're there. And uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. When, when, when you have a daughter who uh, is married with three kids and um, led people to the Lord starting when she was 13 years of age, served the Lord all her life, Overachiever ends up in a bad marriage, ends up on cocaine and chain smoker and vodka. Do you have joy then? <laughs> you have wholehearted faith then? Yeah. When, uh, when you're in the hospital and the doctors give up on you and say there's no hope and they're writing your obituary, uh, do you have faith then? <laughs> do you count it all joy? When um, your 100-year-old family business um, now has a venture capital partner, I call him venture, vulture capital partner, a venture capital partner in and manipulates the board and takes control of the board, is going to throw you out of your 100-year-old company and you lost your grandfather's business, do you count it all joy then? Huh? Yeah. Took me a lot of years to get there, but I did, and I had unwavering faith. I want to tell you how I got there. It took me 30 years to get there. You can get there in one service. <laughs> you can do it. You can learn all I learned. You could benefit from all I learned. Some of you younger folks, if you can grab onto this thought, it'll change your life. I want to change every one of your lives this morning, seriously. I want to take you to a sweet spot with God that very few of you have been in. You ready for that? You ready for that? Father God, be with us today. We honor you, God, this precious pastor, this church, these people. Pray for their building campaign. You're going before all the, all the wonderful things. Two people saved into the, part, into the family this morning. Thank you for that. It's already been a great day. We go home. <laughs> but uh, we have work yet, less yet to do, enjoyment, fulfillment. God, minister to us. Lord, I... This message is from your throne. It is pure scripture. And I'm a layman. I sell car wax. I, 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 but help me, Lord, I pray. Seriously, God, help me deliver probably the most basic message there is in the church, and yet it is profoundly changing lives. May it profoundly change lives this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <laughs> this, this whole thing about wholehearted faith gets ramped up a little bit in James 1. 
James Warner says, talks about you, you ask and he'll give it to you on bridle and just pour it out to you, right? But, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's a, little, <laughs> a little proviso there. You got to pray with unwavering faith, right? You got to ask unwaveringly. If you waver, the scripture actually says you're like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. You're a double-minded man. And um, if you're double-minded, uh, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. So I can tell you this morning, and it probably takes in most of you because it takes in most Christians. You're an exceptional church, so you're probably a higher percentage of overachievers here than most. But if you're worrying about something now, uh, you can't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Did you hear me? I'll say it again. See, see, trust and worry can't coexist. They can't coexist. They can't. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have anguish here. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, what's going on? <laughs> what on earth? No. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that. What on earth? What? Why, how could that happen? We have those thoughts. That's not worry. Worry is, where are you, God? Where are you? This world today, where are you? Everything's gone wrong this week. My car broke down. I got late to work. My boss is mad at me. I may lose my job. You know, I just found out I got stage four. You know, whatever it is, stuff happens. Easy to worry. Easy to worry. It's also easy to not worry. Actually, it's easier to not worry. And it's a whole lot more fun. I want to give you some word, you know, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I want to set you free from your worry. You like that? Yeah? And it's not me, please, it's not me. And I'm speaking on behalf of just a multitude of people across the United States that I've been able to connect with. We actually have a website I'll tell you about then. So I got to remember this website, igniteamerica.com, uh, for sharing your faith, teach you how to share your faith. Uh, this, this is... This is where the rubber meets the road for Christians. It's not Sunday morning experience. It's seamless. It's seamless. 1976. 1973, a guy introduced this thought to me. I was doing everything in the church I was supposed to do, and yet I did not have any joy. There's some people here this morning that you're doing everything right. You're overachievers. You give sacrificially, you retire, whatever. But there's not a bounce in your step. You're doing it. But you're not having a lot of fun. And you probably are wondering, where are you, God? <laughs> I mean, I, I was at one time with God. I closed the door of my office. I said, where are you, God? You're just jerking me around. I said that. And you, I can't stop. Would you stop jerking me around after all I've done for you? And I cried. I yelled at God. How stupid. But God's big enough to take it. He's there. He, well, he's there. He never leaves us. He's right there. He allows these tough times to come in our lives. I've had these struggles. I'll go into it in a minute. People say, why are you smiling all the time, Barry? You have the greatest smile. I hear that all the time. You really want to know? <laughs> it's not because I have a neat company and I get to hang out with neat people and car guys and 
do all the stuff I do. No, it's because of all the tough stuff I've been through that I know God is there in the midst and using them. And when we're in the tough spot, let me tell you, that's when you grow. I look back over to my life, and I see when I grew spiritually, it was in those tough times. One time went two and a half years. Two and a half years. Where are you, God? I, 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 I prayed as much, well, I, I prayed as much since, but before, I prayed more at that point than I ever prayed in my life, seeking God, where are you? Where are you? God said to me, do you trust me now? Yeah, I trust you, God. Figured he'd work it out the next day, only he didn't. And the next day he said, do you trust me now? <laughs> it kept getting worse. Two and a half years. Family business, you have kind of problems. There may be some family business here, but we had big problems. Half my family was non-Christian. They never even waxed a car. They couldn't read a balance sheet. They were totally dysfunctional. They were driving us out of our minds. There has to be a way out of this. We really were losing our business. And I finally got to that place. I realized God had it under control. I started laughing. My dad got mad at me. My dad loved the Lord. He didn't understand this concept, though. And he'd get mad at me for laughing. <laughs> God's taking care of it. I want to help you get to that place. You, if you're struggling, I want to get you to the place where you start having fun. Just start really enjoying your faith. I mean, it is the neatest thing to be uh, to serve the risen Lord. He wants to help you do everything he can for you, you know. I was in this hospital. They gave up on me. You don't want to be in an intensive care ward. Hooked up, the hoses in your body, all this stuff. I mean, I'm toast. They're writing my obituary, okay? <laughs> I said, God, if I'm going to die, there must have got to be a reason for it. So I, I'm going to die trying to lead as many people in this hospital in the Lord as I possibly can. When I got out of the hospital, I'd had 23 different nurses and doctors I'd had serious conversations with about the Lord. You know, yes. It, it's, it's just, this is what life's all about. Every day's a good day. It just, it just it, life's an adventure. You can have the worst day. My wife, she had a long day, a really long day. She was so tired. But she started a ladies' guild for Teen Challenge. She has about 50 ladies to meet with her once a month. And it was that night, and she had to go, and she didn't want to go. <clears throat> she was really tired. We've been through a lot of travel schedule. Oh, i got to go Teen Challenge. She came home, she bounced in the door, she's all happy, you know. Wow, what happened to you? It was late. And she'd come back at 11 o'clock, and she's just like, poof. What happened to you? Well, I was speaking and touched the heart of one of the ladies, and she came up to me afterward, and we just had the most wonderful time. I was able to minister to her. We wept together. We cried together. We rejoiced together. We just went out the door. It was great. She had all her energy back. We allow ourselves to get beaten down. We just let the world beat on us and beat on us. Satan just loving that, robbing us of our joy. Don't let Satan do that to you. God's God. We have 100 years, okay, maximum 100 years. Eternity is eternity, okay? We've got 100 years to get this thing figured out. It's, it's not about our jobs. It's not about our dating. It's not about our husbands. It's not about our family. All those are good. We occupy. I mean, all that's great. I love cars. Let me tell you, I am a car guy. I love cars all my life. I love making cars shiny. I call it show car premium. It's not an imperfection. I work like crazy getting our products just right. So that black paint, you can look in the sun with a sun reflector in that black paint, and there's not a hint of a scratch. It's just perfect. Oh, that's great. I love doing that. You know what? When I get to heaven, it's not going to matter how many bottles of car wax I sold. It's not going to matter if I was liberal, conservative, even American. It doesn't really matter. 
if there's somebody else here this morning um, that has accepted the Lord yet, what on earth are you waiting for? <laughs> I mean, thank you for being here today, but um, it's, it's life and death. And we need to realize that as well, okay? We're surrounded by people on their way to hell. Do you understand that? They're on their way to hell. We don't talk much about hell anymore. Kind of scare people away, you know. It's not politically correct, right? But see, human nature is very much, some of the most basic part of human nature is this rewards and punishment thing, right? How do we raise our kids, you know? If you do that, I'll take you there on Saturday, you know? If you do that, I, you know, I'll ground you. <laughs> I'll ground you for the whole weekend. If it's really bad, I'll ground you for the whole week. You know, if I really want to make the point, I'll ground you for the next year. I could come on. Kids understand that, okay? Why do we not get it? God's given us the ultimate rewards and punishments. Hell's a real place. You might want to read some scriptures on hell. If, if you want to, you can Google on your phone. You have a Google thing, right? Just say, what is hell? It'll scare the hell out of you. It's forever. Somebody says, like, solitary confinement. No, solitary confinement would be a cakewalk. You get three squares a day. You sleep at night, whatever. No, hell is forever. It's forever. Okay? We're used to our, our understanding of good and bad. And bad is there's always an ending. The sun will always rise tomorrow. Even if we die from our cancer, it's over. You know? Hell's not over. We sing the song, when we've been there 10,000 years, we've only just begun. You can just easily say 10 trillion years. It's never. Imagine being in hell. I mean, imagine. I mean, people around us, this is where they're heading, folks. Do we understand what, what they're condemned to? And we keep it to ourselves? Less than 20% of our U.S. population still goes to church just twice a month. And only half of those are saved. These are hard stats. If you know the Lord, you're part of that 10%. Two things. You need to be incredibly thankful for all those who went before you that got you to where you are today. But you also have to be incredibly sensitive to the fact there is huge responsibility in us to reach in the 90% of America that's not saved. God help us. And we don't even think about it. We do all the right things, you know, and then we go in there, well, I don't want to offend anybody, and that different strokes for different folks. No, everybody's lost. They're lost. There's this guy that has a show, and two guys actually in Vegas called Penn Gillette Show. Very famous. We've been there forever. And uh, Penn Gillette is an atheist, outspoken atheist. If you want to Google something that will really grab you, Google this afternoon Penn Gillette and the Bible. He's still an atheist, but he tells a story about how this guy came up after one of his shows one night and gave him a Bible and witnessed to him. And, and it's, 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 it goes for a while. It's, it's a fascinating story. He's a really good man. I knew he was really kind. He really had he said, but I, he's, I don't believe any of that stuff, but if you really believe I'm going to hell, how much would you have to hate me to not tell me? How much do you have to hate your friends to not tell them? They're lost. The world 
is lost. And everybody knows it. Do you know that 86% of the unchurched know the world's out of control? Duh. But more than that, are wishing there was a God, are really hoping there's a God, and are actually looking for somebody to tell them about God. 86%. 86%. Well, they don't care. I don't care how womanizing, how foul, how mean, how cheating they are. They know there needs to be a God. And they would love for somebody. You can move somebody from smiling and braggadocio to tears like that. You cannot believe it. When you feel a nudge, you need to follow that nudge every single time. I felt it yesterday. Unbelievable. It happens all the time. Guy felt a nudge in 1976. 73, I got this, got this thing. I, just, I, I said, I want what he has. This guy that had so much joy and it was all because he was just sharing his faith all the time he just was bubbling over with joy i want what he has that one more layman changed my life in 1973 and ever since then, i've been wanting to be that layman to other people as many other people as i possibly can 1976 uh we launched our i launched our retail brand in 1973 into the retail market and that was a whole story to itself and a miracle 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 i don't even go into that <clears throat> But in 1973, the same year, I got this message, share my faith. And I did it all wrong. I mean, it's, you know, scratchy throat, wet hands. <laughs> just like, oh, i got to share my faith. Oh, Jesus, help me. You know, it's like, I, I did everything wrong. But I always had success. I always try and try to follow formulas. But somewhere between step three and step four, the person would go off in left field. And I'm getting mad at him because i got to get her back to step four. And... It was all the orchestration, the heart. And I got to remember how to say that and say it just right. When I didn't get them down to say the sinner's prayer, I was like, oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what happened, you know? We think sharing faith is getting people saved. We do water and fertilize and seed. And it's God's timing. It takes all the pressure off when you realize you can't save anybody. I've got people I've been trying to save for 20 years. I am frustrated by it. But in the end, it's not my responsibility. It is my responsibility to share. You know, there is this powerful scripture on the watchman on the wall. talks about, you know, basically you have, in, we all have influence. You do realize that. You have influence. Everyone, I don't care what age you are, you all have influence over people who are not saved. You are your brother's keeper. You are responsible for them. If you read Ezekiel, that watchman in the wall thing talks about how <clears throat> if you don't warn them that the enemy's coming and they die in their sin, they die in their sin, but their blood is on your hands. We have responsibility. But it's not tedious. It's, 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 it's more than that. It's, it's all about what Christian life's all about. The Great Commission isn't go ye into the world, all you who are specially gifted <laughs> or specially trained. Or your pastor going, you go into the world. The rest of you just sit around and watch. That's not what the scripture says. You know, we're all called. Pastors, the role of the pastor, read Ephesians 4.11. His, his role is not to go into the world. I mean, he's covered by the Great Commission, but his role, the role of the pastor, is to equip the saints. That's us for ministry. And he's doing that really well. You are blessed with an incredible pastor. If you're in the game, we showed at General Council two years ago, we showed this video. We went around and interviewed people. What would you have for lunch last Sunday? Man, everybody remembers what they had for lunch last Sunday. 
right down to the finest detail in that salsa. Oh, that salsa is so good there. It was just funny. Then we asked him, well, what did your pastor preach on last Sunday? Uh, <laughs> nobody could tell us. Not one. Not one. Are we just going through the motions? Is that what it is? We go to church, we check it off, we're going to watch the ball game this afternoon. Your pastor's your coach. This is a man of God. He's seeking God. He's got a word from God. You get to sit under the ministry of a man of God who knows God, who's led by the Spirit, who's anointed that even knows that there's somebody that wants to accept the Lord at the beginning of the service. You realize how blessed you are, and you sit there, oh, that was nice, nice, Pastor. And on Wednesday, you don't remember what he said. And he just gave you gems. He's giving you the playbook. If you get serious about listening to your, I mean, really serious, if you take notes, hear me, next Sunday, you should get up, when you get ready to preach, you should get out that pad of paper, and you should get ready. And you'll be amazed the things he gets, he write, you'll write down. And then at lunch, you know what you should do? Talk about over lunch. Whether it's with your friends or your family, we did it with our family. We, you know, we found our kids heard things in the sermon we didn't even hear. But after we discussed over lunch, now we got used to, now we're just kind of taught, we heard it. Now we're talking it and debating it, if you will. And now we're conversing in it. Now you're really armed. Now you go out the week. You'll be amazed how many times during the week you'll be able to use something your pastor said. It'll be an illustration. might even be a joke. Scripture, how many times? And when that happens this week, well, no, you know, your pastor got me. Next week when you have your pastor, when that happens, call him and tell him or email him and say he needs encouragement. Let him know how he's ministering to you. And you're the extension. You want to change Syracuse? Every one of you has influence over at least 10 people that don't know the Lord. You want a church growth? Doesn't cost him money. It has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. You need to change your lives. You need to get, get on. We're sitting on the bench. Most Christians are sitting on the bench. When you sit on the bench and you are a bench sitter, so you know, you know you're, you know you're not going to get in the game, uh, you tend to lose track of the game. And, and even start getting a little critical of your own players. We drive our pastors crazy. Don't like this. Don't like that. Do you know most church splits are not caused by doctrine? They're caused by music and color of the carpet and stupid stuff. Lay people are bored out of their minds. They come in and at 5 minutes to 12, where are we going to lunch? There's a move of the spirit going on and they're so detached. You just go through the motions. We got to wake up, church. We got to get into the game. All right? It has to be intentional. It absolutely has to be intentional. I'm going to watch my time here. I'm going to run out real quick. Is this resonating with you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's personal. It has nothing to do with me. It's a message you need to grab onto. It's what Christianity, it's what the walk is all about. Go back to the scriptures, start reading from Revelations all the way back to Genesis. Proclaim his name. We think confess with your mouth. That that's, you do it when you get saved. You don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> no. I led so many people to the Lord. This morning I led people close to the Lord. Um, there, there's all kinds of examples. I, <clears throat> I give, I'll give you a couple. But just, it's, just, it's just full time. It happens full time. Um, 
I, I, I told this story yesterday. I got a taxi in Detroit. It was seven degrees outside, and I was going from the Marriott over to the Cobo Hall, which is like a 10-minute walk. But it was seven degrees. I didn't want to go out the cold. I'm kind of a I'm California guy. So I got a taxi. Guy picked me up. A white guy, uh, about my age, scruffy beard, not a happy guy. And I said, uh, sir, I, I just want to go to Cobo Hall. It's a short drive, I know, so I'll give you a big tip. He said, I don't want a tip. Excuse me? I don't want a tip. Furious. Just furious. I said, excuse me, sir, why don't you want a tip? He said, I'm a bad person. Whenever I'm with people, I did it this morning. Lord, give me a word. Just give me a word. Just give me something. I'm just talking for something. I, so I, I said one that I use a lot. I said to a young man out here, I won't embarrass somebody, his name, 18-year-old guy said, I'm not a happy camper out on the front. And, and it resonated with him. I saw his eyes go like this. I said to this guy, I said, do you know God loves you? No. <laughs> yeah, he loves you. No. This guy, he's like, he said he's going to run. I think you might want to just get out of the car before he runs the car into the, the toy. I mean, this guy is out of control. He's about ready to commit suicide or what, right? I said, no, no, he loves you. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I really know the Bible, and I can tell you for sure God loves you. Not a word. I said, you want to know what's something better? He loves you as much as he's ever loved anybody, ever. You know, there's a lot of, well, be ready to take offense for the gospel. And there's so much about this. You know, when you're attacked, you'll be blind. That's true, you know. And it's really true in Syria and, the, you know, here it's not true. I got to tell you, I don't offend anybody. I don't offend people and say, I don't want to go to heaven without you. I, do you know God loves you? We're, do you realize what we do as Christians? You're homosexuals. You're going to hell. You know, everybody's going to hell. We're, we're so judgmental. That's why they see us as unloving and mean and angry and stupid. That's not the gospel. Jesus said they'll know you by your love. Just love on people. You don't need a formula. It's not hard to love on people. I had a waitress this morning. She was kind of okay. She thought she was a superstar because I loved on her. I just said, wow, you took such good care of me. I can't think you started my day just right. God bless you. Well, thank you, sir. I walked out the door. I just moved her closer to Jesus, right? The lady at the front desk, I walked out and said, hi, you know. I talked to her, I was checking out of the room. And I just, I just big smile. She's a large, very large black lady. She's sitting there. She didn't seem very happy. She had a big smile on her face when I left. I said, you God bless you now. You have a good day. I go out the car, a little, uh, well, not a little, just a 25-year-old. Her name's PJ, cute little black gal. And she helped me with my car and everything. I said, PJ, I love your smile. Thank you. You're so kind to me. God bless you now, okay? She said, well, thank you, sir. If you just love on people. Everybody. How many of you going out to lunch today? Anybody going out to lunch? You don't go out to lunch? You'll go home to lunch? Yeah, okay. All right. Boy, I need to bring my wife here and be part of this group. <laughs> Why did I not bring my wife? Jeepers, creepers. I like home cooking. And I have a faint memory of it, but uh, I, don't, I know it does still happen. 
I got the greatest wife in the world. She travels with me almost every trip. We get up at 4.30 in the morning, and we're running to planes and car shows. They start early. And she's never once complained in 53 years because we know it's ministry. When I walk onto that field at Syracuse National, I'm not selling car wax. I do. That's my mission field. Really, when I walk out the door, it's my mission field. We walk in the elevator. It's dark outside. It's 4 or 5, 30, 5, 4, 3, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm always saying, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. <laughs> and she laughs. And we go, we know we're going to have a good day. And we're going to move a lot of people closer to Jesus. Every day is a good day. You have, I tell you, it changes everything. Do you follow what I'm saying, church? There's, there's, no, there's no downside to it. There's just no downside. <laughs> I go on with stories that I'll, I'll pass it out, but you, you, I think you're getting the idea. It's just, it's constant. What's God's purpose? <clears throat> Why did you send Jesus? <laughs> pretty obvious. Safe to say the answer is to seek and save the lost. Would that be a pretty good answer? Are we all agree on does anybody have a better answer for that? <laughs> anybody have a better idea? Is there even a number two to that idea, or is that why he came, right, to seek and save the lost? So I meet a lot of people, and they tell me they're searching for their purpose. Even people my age, they're still, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're still searching. I know God's got a purpose for me. I was in a men's group <clears throat> a little while back, and, they went around there and everybody's introduced themselves. It was a new, I won't say the name, but it's one that's nice show, and they were starting a new chapter, and everybody's talking to this guy. Well, I just retired, and now I'm trying to find a ministry. I'm trying to find some purpose in my life. I thought, oh, good. He just walked away from all of the influence he had. <laughs> he lost. Now that he's gone from all that influence he had as the CEO of this big company, now he's going to think about some ministry. Well, I'm glad he is at that point, but he kind of missed the point, didn't he? Yeah. The point is, God didn't have a separate purpose for you and one for him. I mean, think about it. Uh, he goes his way with his purpose, and you go your way with your purpose. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, right? He has one purpose. He has a plan for each of our lives. I mean, go figure. He had a plan that he could use Barry McGuire, a car wax, the guy pedals car wax, <laughs> to live his purpose. Fortunately, I discovered that. I was trained well. I was taught well. I made some great decisions. Thank you, Lord. I was taught well, and I knew the scripture, and you resonated with me. And I was hungry. And, and it, it just changed my life radically when I got out of school. There's no family business. I mean, it was just a cottage business. Now we're the biggest brand in the world. It just flew by all the competitors. I mean, how does that happen? Because I'm smart or not. I depend on him every way. And, you know, I had a lot of doors slammed in my face. A lot of buyers said no. I had a lot of bankers saying no to financing. It was okay because my highest desire there was not to get that loan or make that sale. My highest calling was to move closer to Jesus. And particularly when they gave me the no, that actually helped me. Because when I was happy with them and thanked them and loved on them and said, God bless you, wow, that's not what they're expecting. Don't you think they go home and say, I had the most amazing experience today. I mean, this guy, I just, you know, 
the opportunities surround us. They're everywhere. Your purpose is God's purpose to seek and save the lost. That's, I mean, that, that he has this one purpose. And, um, oh, I have so much I can tell you about. I'm going to run out of time here. I just say we have 100 years to figure it out. But except from the Lord, it's just one of two steps. We don't think in terms of our walk with a two-step thing. It's more than a one-step. It is. I mean, if we just accept the Lord, we're in heaven. Praise God for that. But that's the beginning. That's not the ending. The beginning is to do what he's told us to do. So we are called to the Great Commission. We're called to be salt and light. They should see the light in you and want what you have. They should see God in you and want what you have. I told the story of the first service. A lady came up, crowds of people, autographs and whatever, pictures, all the crazy stuff goes to a car show and look at cars. There's one lady comes I've never seen her before. And she looks at me and she hands me a little folded up piece of paper. She says, Mr. McGuire? I said, yes. She says, would you just put that in your pocket and read it later? <clears throat> I said, excuse me. I looked at her. I said, do you need prayer? She says, yes. We went over. We had a wonderful time. Now, how did she pick me out of the crowd? How did she do that? This is somebody that I don't know. She's been watching me, all right? Our actions don't speak louder than our words, folks. I think that's a damnation on the church. Actions don't get anybody in heaven. You can be really good. It doesn't get you in heaven. It doesn't get anybody else to heaven. I tell you what they do. The actions speak before our words. Okay? So when you're living the life, the, you're walking the walk, when you say the slightest thing about God, your words have power. You can be eloquent about God, but if you're not living the life, your words have no power. They ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God. We slip over that so fast. You ain't love lots of things. What's the last thing you got really excited about and started telling? You told it over and over. That great meal I ate that restaurant. Oh, that was so good. Or my wife fixed this great meal. I think that happens. That my wife fixed this great meal. Or my grandson just did that. Or, you know, or did you see that shot at the end of the game or that grand slam home run? Or, you know, when's the last time you're that excited about God? And all this hate sandwich is going to go away? Right? Love God with all your heart. If you really love God with all your heart, you're going to be sharing your faith. i got to tell you. It's overflowing. So it's a start of a process. I'm going to help you here now because I'm going to, I'm going to close up real quick. I'm going to tell you how this starts to go where it just starts like breathing. It's just so much fun. When you love your neighbor, he ties it, says, right? It's equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you love your neighbor as yourself, all those horrible people around you as well as the nice people, <laughs> You're as concerned, just as concerned if they're going to go to heaven as you are if you're going to go to heaven. That changes. That's a game changer. Now you start thinking, okay, I have responsibility for everybody around me. I call it the 360 rule. I also call it the 15-foot rule. Everybody around you is watching you. I have people watching me all the time. Of course, I have some people know who I am. And I want the people that's watching behind me that I've never even seen before, may never see, be moved closer to God because of my kindness because of my stature, how I treat people. 
Do you realize that everything you say and do, folks, everything you say and do moves everybody closer or further away from God? Right in your own family. I can move my wife further away from God in the morning by saying the wrong thing, and I do that on occasion. God help me. And I got the great wife. Everything you do and say moves people closer or further away from God. You can't get away from that thought from this moment forward. Okay. And your responsibility is to move people right closer to Jesus. So if you do that, I tell you what, um, there's a laxity in the church today. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. I know decades-old Christians now that are using terms when they get excited that they didn't use before, but now it's just kind of, it's okay. I have friends who have been Christians for decades that are now indulging in things. and think everybody's doing it. I don't care if everybody in the world is doing it. The point is, if you want to lead everybody around you closer to Jesus, you are going to indulge differently. Does that indulgence help you? You say, I can't do that and get to heaven? No, of course not. You're under grace. God, you love God. You're a wonderful Christian. God bless you. I don't harbor it. But they come back and want to know, I say, does that indulgence that you're doing, does that help you lead people to Jesus? That language you're using, just a flippant little word, where did that come from? We're not of the world. We're separated. We're peculiar people. You know what makes us peculiar? I hated that when I was a kid. I don't want to be a peculiar person. I want to, I want to be accepted. When you love on people now, you're a peculiar person. Everybody's hurting for love. Everybody, do you hear me? Everybody's struggling. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's wanting love, and nobody cares. And you give the cup of cold water, but in Jesus' name. Christians are living good lives, but they don't attach God to it. I talked to so many Christians. I'm doing this, and I support that, and getting them names on buildings, all the stuff all over the place. Um, but do they know you're Christian? Um, well, you know, I'm doing all these good things. No. That just says Bob's a really good guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, don't you love hanging out with Bob? He's so generous and kind. That's self-righteousness. We have a lot of Christians that are feeling really good about themselves because they're doing good things. It's not redemptive. Life's about redemption. Do you understand me? It's about redemption. Every moment, your family, your friends, your coworkers, the waitress. You go, Christians, if, if, you, if you went to restaurants, you go to, <laughs> you go in and, and the waitress, she hears you talking about God and you, and you, you know, you're staying way too long. You're making too much noise. You're too demanding. You give her a stiff front of tip. You think you just moved her closer to Jesus? There's no, there's no way. You know an easy way to do it? <laughs> and I do it all the time. It's, it's so much fun. What's your name? Oh, my name's Sue. Hi, Sue. Well, nice to talk to you. Okay. Uh, well, you got to put up with us. We're a little rowdy crew, you know. You gotta, you know we just joke. Ban just anything to banter. She takes the order to everybody. She starts to walk. Hey, Sue, one more question. Yeah, what's that? Um, we uh, always pray for our food and any other needs we have. You have a need by any chance? You know, almost all the time they have a need because almost all the time people have needs. And you don't preach to them. They don't need to be preached to. You just want to move them closer to Jesus. You're on the operator for, for, a, for a minute talking to a phone operator, right? You know you move them closer to Jesus. They get beat up all day long, foul words, impatience, whatever. It's a thankless job. I mean, you talk to them, man, these things, the way people treat them, it's unbelievable. 
And whether they treat you, whether they give you great information or not, don't let them know. <laughs> Make them feel like a superstar. And love on them. And say, thank you. It's exactly what I needed. God bless you. You have a great day. Woo. Think that doesn't stick with them? You realize there's 35 million of us. Okay? There's 35 million of us. We got game. 35 million of us. Each of us have influence over 10 people, at least, that are unsaved. That's the population of the United States. We can change America. We can make America great again. We can make America Christian again. Are you ready for that? You ready for that? And when you do that, and I'll finish off with this, when you do that, why would you not do that? Why would you not do that? When you do that, you're living God's purpose. My last word to you, you're living God's purpose. Do you understand? You're not living for your purpose. You're living for God's purpose. When bad stuff happens to us, it just keeps happening. The bad stuff just keeps going. I was in the middle of a trial one day, and Jim Dobbs and I grew up with Jim Dobbs. We were best friends. Yeah, how you doing, Barry? I said, is there a place, Jim, where you finally get where you just say, okay, <laughs> you've got it made, you know? He just, he just laughed at me. He said, you'd be a spoiled Christian then. That, that's not the way God works. God help us. When we live God's prayer, it's so easy. It's effortless. Do you understand? It's effortless. You can change this right now. Move everybody. I leave you with this last thought. This is the great commission in today's words. I'll leave you with this thought. Move everybody every day closer to Jesus. Everybody you're with today, you talk today, the clerk in the store, you move them closer to Jesus. And you don't have to preach at them, just love on them. You realize if 35 million of us just start loving on people, People start saying, I'm meeting the nicest people. They're all around me, and they're all Christians. Maybe maybe I got this Christian thing all wrong. We got a big problem in America. It is not the press. And it's not the liberal politicians. It's not the activists. Those poor people, they're lost. Do you realize they're lost? Just listen to being interviewed. They don't even know what they're doing. They're out of control. I mean, they're just lost. They're lost. They're absolutely in chaos. Why? Because we've turned out our lights. The harvest is white for harvest. 86%. It is the scripture living before our very eyes. The harvest is ready. 86% of all the people in your life that are not in church want to believe there's a God. It is an accident waiting to happen. And the laborers are few. Less than 1% of us pay any attention to it. Why is it that the greatest thing, the thing that's overwhelmingly told to us throughout the Bible, to share a faith, to be salt and light, salt and light. Let me just add one thing. You've probably never heard this before. This is a great thought. There's one characteristic that salt and light both carry. They both share. There's only one. You ready for this? They do it in different ways. They do the same thing. They both change their environment. Different ways. We all have it in different ways. The question is for us, all of us, are we changing our environment or is the environment changing us? Okay. Is the church changing our environment or is the environment changing our church? And I think that one's pretty obvious. We're failing. You can't change the denomination. You can't change the church. I thank God for the Assemblies of God. I love the Assemblies of God. 
Go to general council. We're going to have a great time out there. But the church of Jesus Christ in America is dead. It's in free fall. And I'll say it again. You can't change that. You can't change the world. But every single one of you can change your world. Every single one of you can change your world starting right now. You ready to do that? Would you stand with me, please? Church, are you buying in on this? Understand it. And when you do that, just think about it. When you do that, when the bad stuff comes, say, I don't know what it is, God, but it's, you're going to make it good because I live my life for your purpose. And then instant, wholehearted faith, unwavering faith is effortless. It's effortless. You're that far away from having effortless faith, never having a sleepless night the rest of your life, knowing God's doing Because that's his promise. He honors his word. He can't lie. That's his promise to each one of us. When we live for his purpose, to seek and save the lost, you have game. Get off the bench. Get into the game and have the time of your life. Okay, let's pray. Father God, minister to us. God, help us. We live in the greatest country in the world. We have the privilege of sharing our faith freely without anybody coming against us. It's within our own selves. We make the difference in our own selves. Forgive us, Lord, for failing to respond to your call, to the Great Commission, for being salt and light. Trigger us, Lord. Ignite us, Lord. Ignite us for your glory. For all those around us who influence, they're lost. They're lost. The world's lost because of us. It's us. We're the problem. That's what we need to repent from. Your word even says it. Repent or remove my candlestick, your testimony. That's what's happened. We want our candlestick back. We want our testimony back. We want our game back, God. Burn this message into our people. These are good folks. They love you. They honor your word. I pray that this fresh revelation of your word will bear witness each one of their lives as each one of us move everybody every day closer to Jesus for now until you return. In Jesus' name. One last word. If you like, if you're interested, you want more information, we have a website called IgniteAmerica.com. We have another that's our ministry website, ROTW. But, but this one doesn't put any name on it. It's our gift to the church. It's, it will tell you everything you need to know about how to share your faith, do it easily, and it will connect you with faith-sharing Christians just like yourselves all over the United States, bringing the body of Christ together to make America Christian again. IgniteAmerica.com. God bless you.